Ask for a favor. Uh huh. Can I hear you say, come on? Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. No. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Listen, I love Drew Brown from Pittsburgh. Come on. But his friends are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not ramping down. We're just getting started. Nothing stops this train. Thank you. God bless. And come on. Hello and welcome, whether it's welcome for the first time or a hearty welcome back to the Come On Network podcast. It's episode 12 of the pod, and as always, thanks for the subscribe, the stream, the download, the rating, and the reviews. We would appreciate any feedback, and you can leave that wherever you see fit on the podcast page, on our social media, on our website, wherever you please. You can find us on any device that gets internet or wherever you get and consume your podcast, be that Apple, Spotify, Anchor, or another also, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch for gaming streams at Come On Network. That's at Come On, C-O-M-O-N Network, N-E-T-W-O-R-K on Twitter, IG, and Twitch. And you can find us on the web at comeon.network. There you can find blog stories, features, columns, hot takes, the podcast episodes. You can learn about our team and much more, including merch that is coming very soon. And of course, as always, the Come On Network podcast is brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor does everything for you, and they'll do it for free. You can create and record your podcast live from the app or upload a pre-existing recording, and Anchor will post and distribute it for you, as well as even match you with potential sponsors. Visit Anchor by downloading the Anchor app on iTunes or the Google Play Store, or by going to Anchor. FM. Well, with all of the first segment promo complete, let's just cut right into our action today on the match card. At this time, we introduce our guest for this wrestling-themed episode of the podcast. It's a man of many titles that, frankly, in the wrestling world, at least in this area even, may not need much of an introduction, but he's on Wrestling Inc. and Busted Open Radio podcasts. He writes on wrestling, analyzes it, does some work with the IWC, formerly of Chair Shot Reality, Justin Labar, ready to give everybody listening to the Come On Network podcast a reality check. Justin, hello. How's everything? Thanks for Look joining Look at us. you. You got every one of my gigs <laughs> and you got my catchphrase in there. You got to go Man. to the Twitter bio. Man, it's, it's like you're a professional broadcaster. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that, but <laughs> we'll go with it anyways. Uh, let's start by just having you give, a, I gave the titles, but give us a background of, of, and the listeners a background of kind of how you got into wrestling. Maybe even it's just as a fan that, that got you started in the business, but how you got into it, what you've done and, and what you're doing now. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, as everybody started as a fan, I can, I wrestling is some of the first memories I have going back to being like three or four years old of just catching it on television. Um, and just was instantly drawn to it, um, you know, and started collecting the Hasbro action figures that were real big in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, you know, my, my mom was a really young mom and she worked shift work. So, you know, she was had to do a lot of sleeping sometimes during the day. So these wrestlers would just keep me entertained. And I would that that was a, that was the babysitter was that and being able to pop in VHS tapes, of whether it was wrestling that rented from the video store or recorded, uh, you know, on the TV. So, uh, it started there. And then as I got a little bit older, my, uh, grandfather, actually, he, he started getting involved in wrestling. I grew up in Maryland. He started getting involved in Maryland championship wrestling. That was the name of the group that was doing these shows. 
and uh, and it, it, the business was a little bit d- different at this time. You know, w, guys that were on ECW or on WWE could, depending on their deal, their individual deal, could like appear on some of these uh, independent spot shows. So uh, he started getting, my grandfather started helping out with him. His best friend was the, on the Maryland State Athletic Commission, which, you know, for those that don't know, like the commission, you know, would be involved with these shows. Like, you know, every guy had to get like a, have, you know, have, have heart have their uh, heart rate have all kinds of uh, you know testing and screening done before they could go out and perform so the commission was always involved uh, and obviously if you're friends with somebody in the commission you can pretty much do whatever you want go wherever you want in the building and so he just started kind of being like a right-hand man helping out and one of the biggest jobs he had would was to go to the airport to pick the wrestlers up and so he would just let me tag along and so you know i was i'd be you know 10 years old riding shotgun uh, while uh, Georgie Animal Steals in our back seat, um, or you know, a list of other people, and I mean that's what that did was you know, and then you know we take him to the hotel, and then we take him to the high school gym or whatever venue was going to be that where the show was happening. And so I'm, I'm, I mean, I can, I can remember sitting next to, to Mabel. This is not long after Mabel it just had a huge run in WWE, and he was King Mabel, and I'm just sitting there and. And having a conversation, but a very real conversation and like, and then watching him put together his match. And so it was just a huge, at 10 years old to see the curtain pulled back like that. You would think maybe that would take the magic away, knowing how the magic trick goes, but actually if anything, it just fueled even more the interest. Like this is so cool and just wanting to learn more. And so that kind of just stuck with me all the way through, you know, all the way through um, into college. And when I was in college, I got lucky while I was having an internship in the DC area with a morning show, uh, I ended up getting linked up with some people in WWE because this particular station was the station that WWE would use for promotions and such when they were in the DC area. So they had contacts with WWE and, um, ended up getting linked up with some people. Uh, one in particular, he was a, he still is there, a senior uh, producer and, uh, they allowed me to go behind the scenes some for some shows. I was behind the scenes for, uh, I think it was Armageddon in December. That was at the, at the Mellon Arena in Pittsburgh, you know, watching them set up all day, going seeing the TV trucks, watching all that. You know, I got to do a couple, a few other locations, DC, Buffalo, kind of got to move around with them. And again, that just, again, fueled it even more, seeing how this works and what does it take to get there. And um, coming out of college, it just, it, you know, things just happened. You know, uh, at the time, WrestleZone.com was looking for somebody who could do some video and who could do some writing. And I just came out with a, with a broadcasting degree from college. So I was like, you know, I had some things to offer that way. And that, that, that eventually birthed chair shot reality. And then as I'm doing that Bleacher Report, you know, caught wind with my stuff and they were looking for somebody who could write some more. And, 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 and so that took to that. And then, you know, everything just evolved and grew. And then all in the same time while doing that portion of stuff after college, I got involved in, in, in wrestling as a performer. I, I, uh, it started in Cleveland with, it was at the time it was pro wrestling Ohio and then eventually turned into prime wrestling. They were on uh, an Ohio sports channel, which was carried on direct TV. So that, so that actually got a lot of exposure because you could be anywhere in the country watching this program. And they had, this was Johnny Gargano's family's promotion. Johnny was one of the big centerpieces and we had a lot of other names that, you know, Brody Lee, a lot, a lot of guys, and, and, and so it was noteworthy that it would get viewed. And and I started out as a guest spot there, as as the the internet guy who got beat up once by one of the wrestlers, and it fueled turned into a match of me bringing Kevin Nash in as my uh, hired gun. To then I was the commissioner, and then eventually when that company went away, uh, I started doing more stuff here in Pittsburgh with IWC Wrestling that has a great history. 
And uh, now I, you know, I still work with them. I've gotten a lot of great experiences. I've worked with every name I could ever want uh, in terms of getting physical and doing promos. Got to do some training, learn how to make sure I'm not killing myself or anybody else. And, uh, and also just then help on a producer behind the scenes level uh, of helping guys and girls figure their stuff out. And uh, so it's everywhere I turn, I've gotten, I've gotten to do something uh, from, you know, whether it's independence, whether it's doing media calls at Triple H or whether it's just, you know, just doing, getting to do podcasts and it's, I've been fortunate and, and, and to get compensated for it. So that's, that always helps too. So the three of us were all born in the mid to late nineties. So we have a limited, if any recollection of the attitude area era, excuse me, the Monday night wars or any of that. So being somebody that grew up uh, during that time period, how would you just describe uh, being able to watch the WWF and WCW on Monday nights. And how would you say that influenced you in uh, what you're doing today and your involvement um, with the industry? Well, it was the hottest period I'd ever experienced in wrestling still to this date. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I I was in school. First of all, the attitude era, that that time period of of the Monday night wars was kind of like prior to that, when you went to school, nobody talked about wrestling. You didn't even wear your wrestling t-shirts. Cause like it was, it was, it was kind of like the thing that you did at home that you didn't talk about. And then like all of a sudden, you know, like Stone Cold Steve Austin started happening. DX started happening. All of a sudden, all your classmates were wrestling fans this whole time. You never knew it. All of a sudden, everybody knew how to tell somebody else to suck it. All of a sudden, like it was just, it was so funny. It all of a sudden made wrestling cool. Everybody came out of their, out of their wrestling closet. And, um, you know, trying to watch both of them was a challenge you know it's one thing now when you when you can watch you can watch one thing on your phone one thing on the tv got the computer up like that wasn't like i mean i was lucky that our our, the tv in my in our living room had picture in picture i had a a pip button and you'd bring up a little window that you could then and had a little channel thing for that that you could then select a channel and you could watch something else and then, then it had an arrow pad to move that picture around so if you wanted it in the top left or wherever that wasn't going to interfere with the other program. So that made it a little bit easier for me because I could try to keep it if I could get the living room TV on Monday nights because I could get it, I could try to keep an eye on what the other one was doing and when I needed to flick over. But otherwise it was a challenge. It's, it was, it was, but it was fun. It was, it was, it, it you know, it, again, it kind of like cemented like, all right, I'm, I'm going to, I'm watching this stuff uh, for the rest of my life. And, and again, yeah, I want to, you know, do something with it i want to be a part of it somehow some way even if it's even if it is just talking about it and then i like i said i got lucky and got to get you know more involved and, and got to do some things in it so yeah attitude is big and anybody who you know anybody who was watching during that time i, I don't think anybody would argue that's probably the most exciting time they've ever seen in wrestling Justin, i know you mentioned your grandfather so you had some family involvement uh to the wrestling world but what was the moment in wrestling that really got you hooked, whether you were a kid or maybe teenager, that you knew that you were going to be a fan of this your entire life? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was probably somewhere around there, like I said, when, when we were picking up wrestlers and, and, and getting that first real behind-the-scene experience. I just um, – it, it just all of a sudden went from being my f- favorite toy, my, my wrestlers or my favorite show to watch. It, it went just from being that – to it, it like i was like this is this is like it, you know it feels a little bit like it's now it's part of my life and like yeah you know, like like my grandfather's doing a little thing with it even though it wasn't his main job his main job is he was a principal but it was like a weekend thing it just that, i guess it was somewhere in there that was you know going then going you know having that be your friday night or your saturday night and then going back to school monday and like being like i don't even know where to start to like brag to my friends because they're not going to believe what i did they're not going to believe that like um 
you know, they're not going to, you know, if, if they're not going to believe that this, this guy just did this, or I just, or I, or I, I know how they pull, like, I don't know. That's, it's hard to explain. It's just, but that it was just, that was kind of the like eye opener of like, this, this is just going to be something that's going to be in life. This is not going to go away. Um, it was somewhere in there. I, I couldn't, can't say that there was one like Eureka moment, but it was probably in that time period. Uh, something that I, I watched as a kid growing up, even in, obviously into my teenage years, but uh, was chair shot reality. I wanted to make sure we asked you about that because I mean, that was something that was, you know, a massive part of the undertaking of your career so far in the wrestling business. And uh, I mean, even Brian and, and Josh are guys that I still follow on Twitter. I look for their opinions, maybe more than I look for a Dave Melter or somebody else like that. But uh, just tell us a little bit about uh, CSR, how that got uh, came to fruition and then, uh, kind of the the ride that that was yeah so i mean that's cool that you watch Carl. that's um csr was a, a little bit of an accident i don't <laughs> I, I didn't i didn't realize i was going to turn into what it did which i mean which i'm thankful but it wasn't it started because like i said WrestleZone was looking at the time for to get more of a video element this would have been i think the summer of 2009 and um they were looking to get a little bit of a video element and so i had access to just a few cameras nothing fancy but just enough um and i and i had video editing and i know how to video edit uh so i was like you know maybe we can film like a little something you know i think probably sports center was probably like the basis of what you're thinking or part of the interruption was what i was thinking at the time and i, I you know josh and i went to college together so it was like hey let's just let's just shoot this we'll just we'll try to go back and forth and and, and we did we, we experimented with a lot of things we did a couple in the summer of 09 just randomly and i mean i think you know uh, I think maybe like between 500 and a thousand people saw them you know, the first few and then that number grew a little bit more, but we did maybe a handful. Um, and then actually it came to the fall time of 09 where I was going to be traveling with the Steelers for, for my job for my other, for my non wrestling job. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna be able to, you know, handle doing this thing for chairs. I didn't, we weren't getting paid at the time. So it was just like, eh, well, and so it went through the fall of 09, didn't do anything. And then, first week of January 2010, I don't know if you guys remember, that was a big week in wrestling because Bret Hart was returning to WWE, which was a huge deal at the time because, I mean, it, it was once thought he'd never come back given how he left WWE with the screw job, given his brother had died on their watch, just everything. It was just kind of like, you know, yeah, he went in the Hall of Fame some years earlier, but, like, even after that, nothing else happened. So Bret Hart was coming back, and uh, you know, Bischoff and Hogan, everybody was coming to TN, TNA, and I think TNA was going to try to go head-to-head. So, like, Josh and I were like, you know, if there's ever a time that we're going to, if we want to try to do this, maybe the now is the time to try to pick this back up. But like, let's try to really put some focus to it. And we literally, we did it in the living room of the, of the, of the um, loft apartment. I was living in at the time in Monroeville. And uh, we had, I had big black curtains that covered the window uh, on the balcony. So we put those behind us. And just so we had some color, I think Josh stole a big old stage light and the color gels from his church. And, uh, and we plugged this thing in so we could reflect a little color behind us. Uh, I don't know how the curtains never called on fire, except I mean it's one of those huge, heavy lights that belongs in the rafters, not on a floor of a apartment. And we just started doing it, but we started putting organization to it, and then eventually started getting a few bucks for it. The it picked up, and then it went from okay, we need to make this look a little bigger. We went to his basement. He had a basement that was pretty good size, and we had a lot more room to spread out. And we started getting more props and ordering things to dress it up, uh, and then it went to another you know, stay in the basement for a while. And then finally it was like, all right, you know, let's, let's really try to do this. And uh, we took it back to our, we took it to our alma mater, Point Park University. And we worked out that like, let, let this be part of the curriculum. And that's what happened. That's what happened. Started in, I think 
February of 2013. Um, we started doing it at Point Park. It was part of a class. So we actually now had a full crew. It was being live, switched and directed by a director. If we had, if we had something on tape, they could fire B-roll. Um, we had a green screen. We had people to help build a set. You know, we actually had a custom set built. It was, and we did that up until the end of the show um, a couple years ago. And, and it was just a great, it, 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 it launched everything else. If I didn't do, if I didn't start Chair Shot Rally, I don't think, Bleach Report or anything else would happen. Chair Shot was the reason that I started really in the independent wrestling thing with Ohio because we kind of like the way I got introduced in the promotion in Ohio because I wasn't a, a wrestler and I and I was just getting known a little bit on the internet because of WrestleZone. So he brought me in and had me be like the pseudo celebrity that's there. And then when the one wrestler hits me and, and, and it actually, you know, police got involved and everything. It was done really, really well. It looked like it was real. It looked like uh, nobody had it. Nobody was in on the fact that I was you know, there to work with the promotion, but it brought eyes to the promotion and it brought more eyes to me. So chair shot just launched. It launched so much. Um, I, I go back and I laugh at the early days because some of it looks terrible in my mind now. And I sound ridiculous. And there's some things I remember I, I've realized that I've before realizing, Hey, people are actually watching this. Watch they think about what you say. Um, you know, we, we, we try to get a little aggressive and try to, you know, get real ballsy in our opinions, you know, and then as, as I, as I learned that people are watching and you got to own for what you say. And, um, as I started learning more and more in the business, I started like, that started changing or evolving how, how I, how hard I would critique something or if I would critique, um, the, the best story I could tell you with that was, uh, I guess, I, I guess I, I guess I was not a fan of Christian, like in like 2010 when Christian was like you know feuding with Randy Orton and he was trying to they were pushing him as a top star. I just I thought he was great with Edge, but I just didn't buy him as a single star. I must have said such uh, in so many ways, because fast forward to 2016, I think I'm in New York City, myself, a guy named Nick Hausman, who I've done some on air stuff. He and I are doing a live SummerSlam pre-show at this uh, nightclub uh, with Christian. I forget how it got set up, how we got Christian, but, I, 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 but I, however it happened. But it's what, it's with Christian, we're going over the matches. We're, we're all really doing really good on air and have all this chemistry, blah, blah, blah. And then the, uh, we, we end the first segment, we're on break or whatever. And Christian looks over at me and goes, so do I still suck? <laughs> I went, oh. And then I guess the next segment, you could tell I was a little thrown off by that. And we end that segment. And he looks over at me and goes, I'm just messing with you. It's all good. And, um, you know, and then we had a fine rest of the show there and took some pictures, but like, that was just kind of like, it's one example of like, you know, somehow through it, whether you watch or a headline or a quote got to him, it's like, people are, people are paying attention. So just mind, mind what you say on the microphone about them. So talking about, um, wrestling currently, uh, orange Cassidy, I think is probably one of the most fascinating figures across the board in the wrestling industry. And with his feud with Jericho, I think, um, the character has just taken off. So how far do you think his ceiling is in AEW? and is, could you see a comedy wrestler such as him, uh, holding, uh, the world title someday? I mean, I don't want to say never say never cause it's wrestling and it can, like, you know, you know, so much can happen. So much happens. I, I have a hard time picturing it. It's, I mean, he's already surpassed some expectation to me as is because you think that there's just a certain boundary. Like, what can that character do? I, I think there's probably more success he can have. He's entertaining to watch. There's more success he can have. I think it's just going to kind of take a special type of evolution of his character. I think it's going to kind of be a case of like, I might have to see some alter egos of him. You know what I mean? Kind of like, you know, like 
again, this you guys might have not you might not didn't see this in real time, but like you know when the character Mankind started in WWE in '96. If you when I when you first see Mankind and how and they call him the deranged guy, I could have never imagined that like you know a year and a half later he'd be this comical guy named Dude Love and and wearing what he was wearing and wearing tied it. But like you know, so I think it's going to take something like that with Orange Cash. I think there might be a different sides to him we might end up having to see, and that then might expand the possibilities of hey, you know what, we could maybe put the world title on this guy because you know during. You know, this time he can be the Orange Cassidy. He could be he could be the guy that barely can lift a thumb. But over but over here, when we need him to do media, he could be this, and it's not going to seem uh, dis you know disingenuous. So, uh, you know, he, he's very entertaining. I'll give him this. He, he's pretty original. I I haven't uh, you know pr- when I saw him, I was like, I haven't seen somebody quite like this. So uh, I give I give him a lot of credit for that because it's hard to find something that hasn't been done before, uh, not just in wrestling, but I mean in entertainment uh, across the board. So props to him. We're already nearing almost a year into the run for Dynamite now on TNT. What are your thoughts on the program overall and head-to-head directly with NXT on Wednesday nights? Yeah, I'm impressed. You know, it's been – yeah, it's not even been a full year, and uh, they've really got a lot of – AEW's got a lot of good momentum. Uh, It kind of makes me wonder. We're seeing a little bit right now because of the shows being preempted due to the sports playoffs, but it makes me wonder how much bigger their audience would be if they weren't trying to go head-to-head with NXT and, and the same could be said for NXT. So, um, but they are going head to head and, and you know, there's just certain nights that they're, they're just not going to also try to go on. So there's, it's a limited, a limited pick out of the seven nights. Um, I think it's really good. I, I think there's, there's things and, and I think they've, I think they've handled, I think they've been better at adapting to the pandemic. I think they've always been a little bit quicker to, to find the answer, whether it's, um, production things like okay now we're gonna film at an amphitheater so let's film straight on to the entranceway so you don't see empty seating you know if you remember they, they did that WWE then switched it about a week or two later because WWE was shooting into the random empty seats at the performance center why why are you showing me that this is where people should be what a, what a way to remind me of how much this sucks um you know whether it's production things like that or um just the way they've just the way they handle things in general i mean i think they've they've, they've done a lot of things well there are things that they don't do you know i, I think there's you know they're the women's division is going to have to get better over time and that that'll happen over time. Um, you know, they got referees and other aspects of the show that like you can tell haven't had a, a ton of TV experience, at least compared to the competition in NXT. But I, all that's going to, all that stuff again, it's all going to come with time. I, I think, um, I think they have a great environment. I, I haven't talked to anybody there talent or otherwise who has had a serious bad word to say about the environment. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very welcoming, creatively open environment. I mean, you know, you got to watch quality control. You got to make sure that you don't let the inmates have all the control. There has to be, you know, WWE has too, WWE has too many cooks in the kitchen. Sometimes I think there's a case or maybe AEW could have a few more cooks watching this particular meal, but all in all, it's a really great environment. And, and, and look, and guys are making and girls are making really good money there. Uh, nobody's been able to say they're making that kind of money in the United States other than in WWE you know, 20 years. So that's, that's great too. Uh, from AEW's perspective, who were some of the stars? I know, I know you're excited to watch tonight and we had to move up our recording here, but uh, who's the stars in AEW that you look for over the next you know, handful of years? And, and maybe there are, I mean, there's already established stars that are in there, but maybe they get a bigger push in, in that promotion as time goes on. Well, I mean, look, MJF, you know, he's, he, he's, he's a, he's a very effective heel. He's a, he's a rare breed in this day and age of a guy who, truly keeps 
the act going uh, always, or you're not seeing him, you know, even at meet and greets, he, he gives you the heel MJF experience. He's not uh, dropping down to do a make a wish. He's, he's, you know, and then, and some people get a little turned off by that. Uh, but I mean, I think, I don't know. I think it's kind of, it's in the day of social media where everybody kind of has, you know, there's, it's hard to do that. I, so I think that's, I think, I think he's one that's going to be around. He's so young. So, I mean, as long as he stays healthy and as long as durability is on the side, he's got, a long future ahead of him. Uh, of course, you know, Wardlow, I'm going to obviously tell Wardlow. I think, um, you know, he looks like he can be a big, bad heel. He can be a big, bad heel, but I think he can also be a big money baby face. You know, I've had obviously experience uh, working with him extensively uh, before he went to AEW. Um, you know, those two always jump out. I mean, Orange Cassidy, again, I just out of sheer curiosity, because it's like, where's this guy going to go next? Um, so, you know, I think, you know, he certainly is one to keep an eye on. Uh, their tag division is, is very good. Um, you know, the Lucha brothers are very, they're very interesting to me. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it is, it's not, you know, they don't necessarily always believe in tags and some of the traditional rules of tag team wrestling, but that being said, they, the way they look, the way they move, uh, obviously the fact that they're real life brothers, I'm sure helps the chemistry there. Sammy Guevara has got a lot of, uh, you know, he's got a lot of potential there too. Um, I, 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 I always thought Sammy was a little undersized, but I'm, I, I've gotten past that. Um, he's, he's made me get past that. So yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of, you know, talent. Obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't give Britt a shout-out. I think Britt, I, Britt Baker's amazing, the fact that Britt, she had never been a heel before. Britt, since the day she started training here in Pittsburgh, she, I mean, she's always that. I mean, look, she's, she's the pretty girl next door, and she, oh, by the way, she's also getting, you know, a degree simultaneously to wrestling. I mean, that's baby face written all over it, right? And then for the first time ever, just kind of naturally of how it happened, she evolves into a heel in AEW and is one of the best heels in, in wrestling right now. So, uh, you know, huge shout out to her. I mean, they got, they, they need, they need to continue to build that women's division, uh, largely around her. So a lot of talent that I look forward to seeing there. So with the NFL season approaching, there's a lot of talk about how to go about putting fans in the stadiums, whether that's empty stadiums, 15% capacity, 25% capacity. It's definitely a tricky situation with this pandemic. So, once mainstream wrestling starts to figure out ways to gradually reintroduce crowds into arenas, what do you think that's going to look like? Yeah, that's a good question. We're going to start to see some of it tonight again. I mean, you know, AEW is now right now. I think they're doing like 10% capacity, uh, and they're making you but you have to buy two tickets. You have to buy a bundle um, because obviously they don't want one individual person to be any too close to somebody else from a different household. So, yeah, it's you know, I I, I don't. I don't know when that, you know, I don't know when the capa- the higher capacities are going to come back. I, I mean, I got to imagine how it looks on NXT and how it did look when they were in the PC for Raw and SmackDown. Plexiglass might be a thing that sticks around. Uh, you know, it's, the, the wrestling the wrestling area might look more like hockey <laughs> than it ever has. Um, I, I don't know. Will fans still pay just as much money to sit front row? where they do have that, that barrier where they can't reach their hand out potentially in touch and, and, and slap the wrestlers. In. I, I don't know. Um, it's going to be really, really tricky to see how they, how, how this happens. I, I think WWE has found a good solution with the Thunderdome. And, and quite frankly, you know, I don't think they'll ever completely not, I don't think they'll ever, they always need fans. Obviously wrestling needs fans. I don't know if they'll ever leave that model, but I don't think you're going to see as much touring anymore. I, I think you might see, it might be more commonplace to see residency taken up where uh, you stay in one town for a couple weeks uh, and that's where you're doing your TV out of and, uh, and you can kind of help control the situation, less travel, less overhead, less room for, for I guess, spreading of any, of any sickness because you can try to stay in one place and sanitize and 
do what you got to do. Uh, so, I mean, I think a lot of things are going to change. I think this, I think, I think we're in for a different time. And quite frankly, you know, touring was kind of becoming a, you know, it, it was a barely break even kind of venture. Uh, you know, I mean, so I, I think, I think we're going to see people in arenas again, but I don't know if that's going to be as important in the long run uh, for these companies if they need to, if they want to keep overhead costs lower and they still want to have a nice looking television product. Justin, wanted to get your thoughts on the two interesting debuts that we got this past weekend. Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole, Dominic Mysterio against Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. What did you think of both performances individually and you know what sort of overall grade would you give? I think for, for, for both Dominic and for Pat, for that being their first time they're having a wrestling match on a big stage of television, on pay-per-views, um, I mean, I would, I would give them an A, just relatively speaking. I mean, that, I mean they, you know, it wasn't like they were put out there and they're putting a match where they're in a tag team and they're going to have one or two special goofy spots or something like that. I mean, they were both out there in singles matches where there's nowhere to hide and both out there with really good opponents, which that can be really good that you have a good dancing partner, but like, you don't want to make, you know, you need to keep up. You got to keep up with Adam Cole. You got to keep up with Seth Rollins. So I, I think relatively speaking, both got an A. Um, and I'm not really surprised by, I'm not surprised by that either. You know, I mean, I'm happy, but I wasn't surprised. Pat's been training for a long time. He's an athletic guy. He's a big fan. And Dominic, he's, you know, look at, look at the bloodline and, and, and he had been, been very well trained already. So I'm not surprised. I'm just glad that I'm glad that they, you know, I'm glad that it, you know, Nobody got hurt, and they didn't end up fumbling and having a bad match because of circumstances. I'm glad that they got to truly show off and make the, the first impressions they did because I think both Dominic especially, and I'm sure we'll see Pat again in a ring. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the current product in WWE. I know that you mentioned the move to the Thunderdome. I think at least aesthetically that help and helps them a lot. I don't know if it does much for the ratings. I know a little bit of a spike maybe in the last week or so, but uh, does that fix much of anything with them or, or do they still have all the other stuff going on, booking kind of a whirlwind in the back with the producers and everyone being released? And uh, it just feels like for a while in this pandemic, they've been the clear option B for a lot of people, whatever they're watching on Monday or Friday night or even Wednesday to AEW. The Thunderdome in that respect is a quick boost of, of re-energizing them. But yeah, they still have to fix. Um, and they still they still need to do better storytelling. Um, it does help them in the sense of, you know, Roman Reigns is back now. So I think, you know, he feels comfortable in this bigger situation and maybe, you know, maybe, you know, bigger place for them to do this versus the concerns of everybody being crammed at the performance center. And, you know, I think that you could probably see a Brock Lesnar in this environment if they feel they, they want Brock. So, I mean, it opens up some possibilities of, of having some talents back that they might have lost for, for certain reasons um, or not used for certain reasons during the pandemic and uh, being the PC. But yeah, I mean, they still need to, they still need to keep it simple, stupid in some places. They still need to just, uh, you know, get back to how they build stars. You know, I, Alistair Black's back to being a heel. He's back to being on TV. That's good. You know, I, I think they just they need to, they need to just get back to fundamentals. Stop. It, it, sometimes their booking would be like ADD. One minute they'd be focused on this guy, and then after that, that person's not on TV for for weeks on end. And um, it's it's tough. There's a lot. It, it, it is a machine. There's so much that goes on there internally. Um, you know, you hear so many, you know, Matt Hardy said it to me in an interview, FTR said it on several interviews, like people who have recently been, you know, uh, uh, Moxley, people that have been in WWE recently that are now speaking free and over on AEW on the, on the other side, they're like, they couldn't even get, they couldn't even get a meeting with Vince, you know, and, and, and they couldn't even like, I mean, that's, that's, that's a problem, you know? So there's still internal things that need to be figured out by WWE. Um, so we'll see. I, you know, the Thunderdome's not going to answer all that. It's just going to make it a little bit easier to view. Uh, and hopefully inspires them long-term for how they're going to 
you know, operate business. All right. So of all the interviews with talent uh, you've done in your time working in wrestling, uh, which is your favorite? Who's your favorite wrestler to talk to? Um, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin jumps because he was like one of my favorites growing up. And so not just that thrill, but like, he's a really good, like he's a good interview. He, he's great asking questions in the first place, but he's, he's great to talk to. He's just, he's such a, there was just such a natural, it did not feel like an interview. It felt like a conversation. So that one always sticks out. Uh, Kane was one because he is so intelligent and, uh, and, and we, and we had such a good talk about, the evolution of the Kane character, which I think is one of the, I think still thinks one of the best debuts and one of the best characters ever. And I think he appreciated like the conversation. So like it felt really good. So that's, that one always jumps out. Um, you know, th- those are the two that, that immediately w- w- will jump out at me. Um, Jake, the snake was good. I was always a Jake fan. Jake, Jake, it can be so some of the, the way he says things Jake was a really good one. I've never got to, I've been around Jake in person. I don't think we've ever done an interview in person. I think those have always been on the phone. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Stone Cold and uh, Stone Cold jumps out probably as number one Kane right there behind him. Last question here for you, Justin. Uh, no need to go into deep explanations on any of these, but who is on your Mount Rushmore of wrestling? It can be WWE or outside of WWE. Oh, I would have to say that would be – Hogan, Austin, Cena, probably Flair. Yeah, you, you start feeling bad of like, oh, I'm leaving Taker off, or oh, I'm leaving HBK off. But I, yeah, I think Hogan, Hogan, Austin, Cena, Flair. Uh, well, Justin, thanks for taking the time with us today. This podcast, uh, we're going to continue on after the break here with talk about SummerSlam, with talk about AEW's Dynamite from last weekend and NXT TakeOver as well. Kind of give you a recap of what's been going on in the wrestling world since we last talked wrestling on the podcast. We'll do that all all that and more next. But uh, again, we thanks uh, to Justin Labar, former CSR host and among many other titles. Justin, we'll have to get you a Come On Network shirt out in the mail so you can flaunt that around for you. I would appreciate that. All right, that's Justin Labar on the Come On Network podcast. More wrestling talk coming up next. It's episode 12 of the Come On Network podcast. The Come On Network podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, or another. Listen to past episodes anytime you want, and don't forget to download episodes so they're available at your fingertips. We'd also appreciate a subscribe, rating, or review. You can find much more from the Come On Network on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. That's C-O-M-O-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K, Come On Network. And you can find us on the web at comeon.network for blog posts, podcast episodes, columns, hot takes, and more, including merch coming soon. And of course, as always, a thanks to Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. And now more of the Come On Network podcast. Again, a thanks to Justin Lamar of Wrestling in Busted Open Radio podcast, as well as much, much more when it comes to the wrestling business. He was our guest today on episode 12 of the Come On Network podcast, and it continues now with myself, Kyle Dawson, Donnie Chedrick, and Joe Smeltzer 
and just going to discuss a little bit of the big weekend for the WWE and AEW as well with a Saturday Night Dynamite episode. As we record this, Dynamite is getting going as we speak here on Thursday night because of the NBA prices. Of course, didn't end up happening yesterday, uh, but the AEW Dynamite show is already slated to go tonight. So that is going as we record. Just an FYI, if you're listening to this on Friday morning, August 28th, or whenever you're listening to it, um, we do not have results or anything going on from AEW's Dynamite tonight as we record. So let's get into this, guys. Let's talk the weekend that was for the wrestling business, whether it's AEW or NXT or WWE SummerSlam, even the introduction of the Thunderdome on Friday Night SmackDown, the day before Saturday's events between the two promotions. Uh, just kind of give your thoughts overall on the weekend. I guess we'll start with Joe and uh, of some big debuts uh, from WWE's perspective and a big title change in AEW on Saturday as well. That yeah, was definitely a big weekend in the world of wrestling. Um, it's definitely nice with uh, the rise of AEW starting, I guess, last May with that first event and then obviously Dynamite starting a few months later that now you have more than one option and more than one thing going on in a weekend in wrestling. This type of weekend with AEW on and then NXT on an hour later, that Saturday, for example, wouldn't have been possible two years ago. So it's definitely nice as wrestling fans to have so much going on in one weekend. As far as the quality of the shows go, um, I'd like to touch on, as you mentioned, the debuts, Dominic Mysterio and Pat McAfee, um, two kind of uh, – Different backgrounds, McAfee, obviously a football player turned media personality, now a wrestler, Dominic Mysterio, wrestling royalty, obviously with his Ray Mysterio being his father. And I thought uh, both uh, did very well for their debut. Uh, McAfee especially, given that um, he's not really a wrestler, but still he has a lot of athletic ability. And we've seen in the past guys like Dennis Rodman, and Carl Malone in WCW way back when. Guys with athletic backgrounds tend to translate to the ring very well, and I thought McAfee continued in that tradition. As for Don Mysterio the next night at SummerSlam, going against a guy like Seth Rollins, kind of a lot to take in being that you know you're wrestling at a big event, you know you're wrestling one of the best wrestlers in the world, which Seth Rollins has been for a long time, but you also don't really have as much adrenaline wrestling in front of virtually an empty arena. So I thought it was a big weekend. I thought those both of those debuts went about as well as they could have. I wasn't sure about the outcome of the Rollins-Mysterio match. I would have liked to have seen him go over personally. But overall, the basic gist of this weekend is that we're happy that so much can go on at once in wrestling now that there's two big uh, mainstream promotions instead of one. Yeah, I, I think it's – it's reasonable to consider that the two debut matches that we saw this weekend may have been <clears throat> two of the better matches of the entire weekend. Uh, Pat McAfee, I thought, exceeded expectations. Um, I know Joe said how athletes transition well to the ring. I, I thought he did even better uh, than a lot of those athletes of the past. Uh, you know, saw a couple of good spots. Uh, that that moonsault off the top rope where he landed on his feet, just sort of a, a backflip of sorts. Uh, now, it also helped, and I know Justin mentioned this with us earlier, that Pat and Dominic Mysterio were both out there with two of the best wrestlers in the business today, that being Adam Cole and Seth Rollins. 
So it certainly helps uh, that they had those guys with them in the ring. But I thought those were two of the more entertaining matches um, of the weekend. Uh, certainly a highlight of it. Then on the AEW side, uh, in terms of the Dynamite episode that was on, uh, we saw a new TNT champion crown, Brody Lee, uh, sort of just squashing uh, Cody Rhodes, you could almost say, uh, in that win, making Brody look like a very strong uh, member of that program. Yeah, I thought, and I haven't admittedly so, and I think all three of us can admit to this, really, we haven't been watching much weekly programming, whether that's just because we're watching baseball or we're watching the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, while they were going on or doing work at, at baseball games for uh, for all of us, really. I haven't watched much anything besides Dynamite. I've followed Dynamite pretty closely throughout its uh I guess almost a year now we talked about with Justin when they debuted back in October on TNT. And I've watched pretty much every minute of the programming on Wednesday nights since I've gone back and watched this because I've been interested a lot more in AEW's programming than I have been to the WWE in terms of weekly programming and since the pandemic started especially. Um, and I, I thought it was a good weekend for both of them. And I, I thought the NXT episode last night, as we record this again on Thursday, the 27th, I thought the NXT episode last night, uh, standing alone, was really, really good. Uh, title change with Brizongo winning the championships at, at the tag team level in NXT, and then uh, everything else going on. A little upset, of course, to see Karrion Cross have to relinquish the championship after winning against Keith Lee on Sunday, but or on Saturday and at TakeOver. But I'll echo what you guys both said in that I thought Pat McAfee was really impressive. And, and of course, it helps. I think Adam Cole is a superstar in this business. I think he is a guy that is going to elevate everybody that he is in the ring with. Uh, and there aren't many guys in the business, I don't think, that do that. I think Seth Rollins is another one. Uh, you'd have to give me a couple minutes to think of some names. But those are two guys that, bottom line, they just get the damn job done in the ring. Um, and, and they're able to elevate guys to their level, not to their level, but to a level that maybe – is better than what they should accomplish. And I thought Dominic Mysterio had a really good performance and a gutsy performance at that. And and Pat was really good in some spots too. So uh, kudos to them. But overall on the weekend, I thought pretty satisfied. It's been a while since I've watched WWE pay-per-view and been like, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Um, and I didn't think everything was great with SummerSlam. I thought the Roman Reigns return was really, really unexpected. I wasn't expecting him back and really until things got normal. Uh, the, with his past history, with his leukemia diagnosis two different times, and he had left pretty much immediately when the pandemic started, it, it bowed out of WrestleMania. Was I think I guess, and, and Justin talked about this a little bit. He feels a little bit more safe in this environment, the Thunderdome and the Amway Center down in Orlando. But uh, happy to see him back in, in kind of a badass type heel persona that I think a lot of people have been longing for since his days with the Shield with Seth Rollins and at the time, Dean Ambrose in WWE, but uh, they put the right guy over in the Universal Championship match. I thought they put the right guy over in the WWE title match that I didn't like the finish of, but whatever. Uh, and The Fiend uh, now has that triple threat match, Wyatt, uh, Braun Strowman, and then Roman Reigns on Sunday at Payback. It's, it's a weird time for the WWE and the fact that they've got another pay-per-view seven days removed from what is supposed to be the second biggest event, maybe the third biggest event, if you count the Royal Rumble in there of the calendar year for WWE. So 
overall, I thought the weekend was really good, and, and hopefully that leads into a little bit better content. Uh, we do want to talk a little bit about the Thunderdome, and now that we've all seen a little bit of what's inside the Thunderdome and the Amway Center, uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts and make sure to ask Justin on his thoughts as well. But obviously, it doesn't fix everything. It's aesthetically pleasing. It gets some of the crowd back involved with the WWE Universe. And I think it allows guys to kind of get back into that mode a little bit. Instead of performing in an empty arena, they at least have something to look at and kind of react with at the same time. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on on the Thunderdome and, and what that has done for WWE in the last week or so. Uh, I mean, I think it has certainly been a help. Uh, I mean, anything is better than basically an empty arena or an arena that just has uh, some of the NXT or, you know, superstars in the back <clears throat> into it. Um, I, I just think that the one thing is WWE has to be careful and they really have to monitor uh, however many screens are up at one time facing around the ring. You know, we already saw. Um, you know, a few instances, Kyle, I know that you and I watched SummerSlam together and we both were able to point out somebody pops up on their screen that the WWE should fire Velveteen Dream. That's certainly something that the well, guys in the either, back don't want to see. a video that went up there one of the days and Chris Benoit's poster's been up. I mean, I just don't know how much you can control that. You can get it off quickly if you're paying attention in the back. But yeah, I I, I, I think it job. just comes down to I think it just comes down to them being quick on the trigger in the back, pay, paying attention. Uh, you know, because at some point, you know, you're just gonna see some guy's ass on the screen. Who knows? It could be really anything, and that's the danger that you run into with that type of thing. But I do like the idea and the concept of getting the fans involved because we've been shut out now for pretty much five months. Uh, if you recall, all three of us were getting ready to go to the Monday Night Raw episode in the middle of March in Pittsburgh. It was supposed to be a fantastic episode with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that was the first Raw that got canceled due to the pandemic. So it's been over five months since they've had a live crowd. So I think uh, it's a pretty cool idea that they're able to work with here. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes um, among the many, many quotes that Paul Heyman has is accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. He said this referring to ECW in the early 1990s being that, okay, ECW couldn't compete with the WWF or WCW as far as ring entrances, pyro, or any of the production values. But what they could give fans was a unique brand of wrestling, unique hardcore style, in some cases, Lucha Libre style. So one of the reasons ECW was so successful in the 90s, from 1993 to 2001, that um, original ECW, was because it focused on what it could do instead of dwelling on what it couldn't do. And this is kind of the same principle, being that, you know, you don't have full arenas, you don't have 15,000 people chanting asshole when the heel does something. But that doesn't mean that you still can't try to find ways to entertain during this uh, during these times with your product. And the Thunderdome is, I think, a great way to get fans involved and try to make everything kind of feel authentic. And there's going to be some problems, or already have been um, some bumps in the road. But as time goes on, the company will adjust and uh, fix out some of those kinks. And I just think it's a great example of trying to find something cool that you can do and not focusing so much on what's been taken away 
because of COVID. I still think, and Justin mentioned this too, and, and this has been my biggest argument over the last week and anybody who has, has asked me or, or I've just been reading stuff and kind of arguing in my own head to it. Um, I, it doesn't fix for me the booking, uh, the lack of good booking by WWE. It doesn't fix the, the I don't even know how to put it really, the, the circus that is backstage right now. You had the release spree in, in, in March and April. Uh, followed by producers and changes of head of creative in the last couple of months to weeks, even uh, with Paul Heyman being out and, and everybody else kind of circling in as the head of creative in, in WWE. Uh, but I, again, I haven't watched much of the weekly programming. What I have seen hasn't been great. I haven't seen rave reviews on social media. So I don't think the Thunderdome necessarily fixes all of that. Uh, but I think I agree with both of you in the, in the fact that at least it's aesthetically pleasing. You know, that's the best thing that can come out of this situation. I think that is a pretty big positive for the World Wrestling Entertainment Organization is to be able to kind of make something out of nothing to a degree. And, and AEW has done a really nice job of kind of changing with the pandemic. They've got a little bit of a crowd tonight for Dynamite and something like 10% capacity uh, down at Daly's place outside the Jaguars stadium. But I think they have done really well in adjusting the pandemic. They were the first one to put wrestlers ringside to kind of create some noise. They were the first ones to go to the camera shot. As Justin mentioned, this is one of the things he said that went to uh, shooting straight on towards the, towards the state, which is something WWE ended up doing. And then, of course, they would put the fans and the independent wrestlers, whoever was you know at the, the PC, uh, the developmental talent ringside as well that kind of helped the WWE a little bit. But Again, I think it's important for the booking to be cleaned up a little bit. And I think that's been a problem, and this can be another topic of discussion uh, in terms of the WWE, especially since the pandemic. You lose a guy like Kevin Owens for a couple of months. You had Aleister Black flirting around as a baby face, which I don't think fits. You, you had several other things going on that just didn't really make sense. And on top of the fact that Roman Reigns, and now he's back, but that Roman Reigns wasn't around as your top star on, on Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. And of course, the pandemic was going to kill both of the industries, both of the uh, the factions that are the the promotions here in AEW and WWE, and you can't really do what you have. But I think AEW has done the better job of telling the stories that maybe WWE hasn't done so well in the last couple months. Absolutely, and you mentioned Alistair Black being a face. Why the hell was Bailey still a heel? I mean, I think. All three of us can agree that that experiment has just not really worked. And going back to when she was still a babyface, it sounded like a good idea. Much like uh, Cena being a heel, it sounded like a good idea for the past 15 years or so. But some people are faces naturally. Some people are heels naturally. Bailey apparently is a face naturally. So when do you think that's going to change? And that experiment's going to wear off. I don't know I, that it does. And, and I think they, that's one of the stories that they, I think they've done an all right job of building is kind of the dissension between Bailey and, and Sasha Banks. And I think you're kind of seeing the same thing on the AEW side with Omega and, and Hangman. But I, I don't know that it does. I don't know who they turn there when they eventually do cross each other and we end up getting a match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. They, they've also been running that for how long now? I mean, it, it's not even just this current uh, storyline that they're in. I feel like there has been almost a never-ending 
spot with Bailey and Sasha Banks as either being best friends, then having a little rift when one of them loses or they both lose. Yeah, it's and getting it, it it just cycles around, and we never really get a payoff. And I think by the time we get that payoff, unfortunately, I don't think that many people will care. Uh, I mean, they they had an absolute classic of a wrestling match uh, about five years ago at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. But unfortunately, I I think that might be the peak of what those two can do, both storyline-wise and in the wrestling ring. I mean, mean, not taking away from their ability in the ring, because that is still good, but just the, the fact to get the fans interested I don't know. I don't really think it's there anymore. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but there just isn't much within WWE that interests me the way that uh, you have multiple things in AEW that can draw interest, whether that be Jericho and Orange Cassidy. Uh, you know, the whole tag team division is very good, very stacked, and that got an addition to the tag team champs over there, Kenny Omega and, and Adam Hangman Page, who aren't even a natural tag team. Uh, and then you, you go on with things in AEW that I think are right now a lot better than WWE on the main roster. But it seems like the focus, at least with WWE, is more with NXT because they know that's the, the direct competition right now. And they are – being a little bit lazy, it seems, with Ron SmackDown. I, I think NXT has been hurt a little bit too by recent call-ups. I, I don't know that uh, a lot of the guys that have been called up were significant pieces of the NXT roster. I mean, a, a Dominic Dijakovic is rumored to be in this faction that it has caught retribution faction in WWE that has caused some havoc, I guess, over the last couple of weeks. And he's not a guy that was really at the helm of NXT, but I think getting Tommaso Ciampa back is huge, and he'll be in the Fatal 4-Way next week for the NXT, the vacant NXT championship, after Karrion Cross had to uh, drop the title for injury. But I just don't feel like either that NXT has had kind of the great rivalries that we've come accustomed to. You lose a couple of uh, very talented women from the division down in NXT, and, and not that Io Shirai is not great. I think Io Shirai is awesome, but I don't really know anybody else in the women's division in NXT. I don't know if that's just because I haven't been watching the programming and really paying attention to it, but I felt like at least maybe even six or seven, eight months ago, I thought I knew a lot more of that division and uh, there were a lot better rivalries. I mean, Rhea Ripley's kind of faded and become obsolete to a degree um, down there. And I don't know that they've had it. Listen, you're not going to have another Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa type rivalry in NXT with the culmination of that at the beginning of the pandemic, you've got Adam Cole dropping the belt, which was a huge story. And of course the undisputed era has no gold right now. So I think they're struggling a little bit to where AEW has been really impressive for me. Like I said, I've before uh, in this segment of the podcast, I have pretty much only exclusively watched dynamite. Uh, I've been a big fan. I know Justin mentioned a couple of the names that I have really started to enjoy watching, whether that's Darby Allen, uh, Sammy Guevara, I've been a huge fan of since the start with, with his charisma and talent in the ring. Of course, the tag division is what it is. As even Donnie mentioned, you've got the Young Bucks, the, the Lucha Brothers that Justin talked about. Uh, even the best friends are really fun to watch. FTR is in there. That's not even the names that Justin mentioned. And you've got... Uh, I forgot to Cass mention MJF too. 
Yeah, MJF, who's MJF probably the best heel in wrestling. Yeah, he is. I think he's the best heel in wrestling right now, and he's younger than all of us. Uh, to come to accompany him with a guy like Wardlow, I know Justin. He's not is, younger than me. He's pretty fond of. What's that? I'm 22. MJF's 24, so okay, he's same thing. Younger so he's than younger six, than six, two six, of the three seven. of us. Okay, well, I'm sure you were like already on the successful path of professional wrestling at 22. Um, uh, I was it was going fine until I got hurt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you would have been a bigger star. I, I think you next to Wardlow would make for a great like duo, a little tag team, or you could make you could be Wardlow's manager. You can just walk around with the microphone and just yell about cats the entire time. I I could be a good manager. I think Joe, I think we should get Joe to face Marco Stunt. <laughs> oh, I- I have probably about 50 pounds on the guy. So. That's, that's another group that, that I think has done really well in AEW, joking aside, is, is you've got the Jungle Boy, Jack Perry in there, and then Luchasaurus is what he is. He's just a big dude. But I think they've been pretty fun to watch as well. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued now at this idea of bringing Joe Smeltzer into a wrestling ring. I guess we might have to throw him in there on Saturday when we're at the International Wrestling Cartel's promotion at the brownsville drive-in and then in, on the september 12th it we'll, we'll, we'll put you in super indy 19 for iwc when it hits wild things park on september 12th do you think you think you can beat brian pillman jr joe uh yeah yeah i'm ready <laughs> you're gonna win that match you're going over you're just gonna do like a five-star frog splash from the top rope no i might get him with like an inside cradle oh little small package yeah, not, nobody would I don't expect that. Pay per view roll up. <laughs> yeah, Alexander Apollo is is our buddy of ours. He's he's going to be wrestling in IWC here, and and that's going to be fun to watch. But I don't yeah. know if you can nice beat him. Too. You might be able to beat Pillman's son, but I don't know about Al Apollo. How do you think I would have done against uh, Brian Pillman Senior? He might have thrown you out a window. Yeah, flying Brian or two over your head. Yeah, I one that tried to run into his house, though, that might have gone chaotic. <laughs> hey, that's an all-time Monday Night Wars moment there. Oh, that's an all-time wrestling moment. I imagine watching that live. Oh, I mean, there were people that actually thought Stone Cold got shot by Brian Pillman. Yeah, great. One, I think my favorite scene in that whole montage was uh, Steve Austin beating up Brian Pillman's friends and throwing them into a kiddie pool. Well, see, it's good whenever wrestling makes people think like that, which, you know, kind of going full circle. Yeah, and it was easier to do in the 90s than it is now. But Very, very, very true. But, you know, to, to take it back to what we saw this past weekend with Pat McAfee, that was one of the things that really got that to work. I mean, I, I had a handful of guys that aren't wrestling fans that know that I'm a big fan that either DM'd me or texted me like, hey, man, have you seen this video? You know, th- th- this wrestler was on Pat McAfee's show, and, you know, he's, he's shoving people, and, he, you know, he's, he's, you know, saying everything left and right, saying everything under the sun. He's getting in Pat's face. Like, do you think this is legit? And, you know, th- that's a moment as a wrestling fan that kind of makes you smile because you realize that those normal people out there that like to hate on wrestling and, and you know, sometimes – you know, are able to peek into it, have to question whether or not something is real. That's, that's pretty neat to see. And I think that's why that paid off so well, because 
you brought a guy that's incredibly popular, uh, not only as a football player, who's probably more popular since he retired from the NFL, and you really made people question if what was happening was legit or just, you know, your typical wrestling showbiz, and that's exactly what it was. You know, Pat McAfee and Adam Cole are very likely buddies off camera, but they played the part so well for this last month or two that it really got people invested in what we saw last weekend. Oh, and speaking of that, too, how bad is it on WWE's part that, that McAfee might be the best guy that has graced a microphone in the last six months? And I think Randy Orton's been awesome. I think Edge was awesome in the couple of weeks uh, that he was on Raw building the feud with, with Orton. But other than that, I don't know that anybody has been as good on a microphone as McAfee was on NXT. And, and obviously, he's got the charisma, you know, having done the stuff with Barstool, been, been the, you know, frankly, just the guy that Pat has been for his entire life. I, I'm not that surprised by it. But does that say anything bad about the WWE right now, is that their best promo might not even be a guy that is an active wrestler? Yeah, and that's one of the things that puts AEW, I think, so far ahead of the WWE right now. As you look at the top guys on the roster, Jericho, Cody, and MJF, I think are probably the top three. I'm not sure what order, but all of those guys, in addition to doing great work in the in the ring, can give a great promo as well. And even going beyond the talent, I'm sure we've noticed how astronomically better AEW's commentary team is with JR and Shivani than anything WWE has right now. And that's an underrated aspect because not only are you kind of paying homage to the Monday Night Wars with the voice of the WWF and the voice of WCW on the same, on the same commentary team, but those guys still have their fastball, I think. I think JR in particular has been – kind of rejuvenated because going back to his last year or two announcing for the WWE, he did not sound like the same Jim Ross at all. But since he started with AEW, he's kind of had a renaissance. And I think he's enjoying himself and kind of back to being the guy that is at least a top three commentator of all time. He's definitely back to being himself. And I think that him and Shivani, the way they gelled and the way that they've combined wrestling history with still having their fastball on the microphone is one aspect that AEW has done a lot better than uh, the boys at Titan Towers have done. So Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I think JR has been awesome. The times that they've had Chris Jericho on commentary have been absolutely entertaining yep. as well. He's, he's been awesome when he's been on a headset too. But that'll just about wrap things up. We're running out of Zoom time here for this segment of the Come On Network podcast. So with that said, we'll break things down and we will get you ready for episode 13 of the podcast. Keep in mind, we've got John Clayton, a uh, big-time NFL insider, coming up for our NFL preview that'll be out within the next week or so. We've got plans for a high school football-type preview, uh, potentially with a very familiar name to high school football scene and high school sports scene here in western Pennsylvania. Uh, we won't reveal details on that because the guest is technically not booked yet, uh, but we will be talking with a guest to get him on for the high school edition of our preview. And, and then we'll be launching directly into the Steelers season. We're talking uh, with, with amongst the group and the team here at the Come On Network of maybe doing previews and recaps of Steeler games. And once we get into the Penguins hockey season, and of course we've got the Pirates stuff going on right now too, but 
We've got a ton of content coming for you, and we've got a ton of plans in store here for the Come On Network podcast. So would encourage you to rate, to subscribe, to download, to make sure that you're looking out for our social media posts on Instagram and Twitter. Those are both at Come On Network, C-O-M-O-N. N-E-T-W-O-R-K. Also on Twitch as well, the guys are going to start streaming some Madden, some NBA, and some PGA Tour action on the Twitch here in the coming days and throughout the next couple of weeks. And like I said, we've got a ton coming, including merch that'll be on the website soon. It's at comeon.network. Anywhere that you can get internet on a device, you can get us on our website as well and be sure to follow us on social media and and make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well wherever you're currently listening to the podcast and of course as always the come on network podcast is brought to you by anchor the easiest way to make a podcast anchor does everything for you and they'll do it for free you can create and record your podcast live from the app or upload a pre-existing recording and anchor will post and distribute it for you as well as even match you with some potential sponsors you can visit anchor by downloading the anchor app on the iTunes or Google Play Store or by going to anchor.fm. That's it for episode 12 of the Come On Network podcast. For Joe Smeltzer and Donnie Chedrick, I'm Kyle Dawson. We'll see you next time. Until then, stay safe, stay happy, and come on.